A good haircut can be a game changer. I mean, everybody wants to look their best for those social media pics, right? So get yourself to Sport Clips at Sport Clips Haircuts. They hair do like no one else hair does. See what they did there? Not only is it the home of champion haircuts, but they've also made relaxing and unwinding the name of the game. Level up your haircut with the MVP haircut experience. It's a spa day for your follicles. Check this out. You get a seven pressure point massaging shampoo along with a perfectly steamed hot towel all while sports plays on the TV. Does it get any better than that? No. You can want it all and have it all at Sport Clips. It's a game changer. I know you have heard this before. Work smarter, not harder. Ford has heard it too. That's why the Ford F-150 truck helps you get the job done in the smartest way possible. I mean, the pro-access tailgate alone is a game changer. It improves access to the bed and cargo, which makes it easier to load in tight spaces. See? Smarter. It's also got a mobile power source in Pro Power on board, so you can power up to 7.2 kilowatts outside your F-150 truck. That is definitely working smarter. And imagine what you can do with that power at your next tailgate party. Tough this smart can only be called F-150. Find your local Ford dealer at Ford.com. Pro access tailgate available starting spring 2024. See owner's manual for important operating instructions. Welcome to Talk is Jericho. It is the pod of thunder and rock and roll, like I always say. And it's special for me right now. We just had our 1,000th episode a few weeks ago, which, of course, is huge. Closing in on 10 years of Talk is Jericho, as crazy as that might sound and feel. But um, also, another anniversary was this past week, while I'm recording this, of AEW Dynamite episode 200. Think about that, August 2nd, 2023, and our first show was October 2nd, 19, or 2019, and um, it's really cool, because it sh- we had the show in Tampa, crowd was great, and they showed kind of a clip compilation of all of the exciting moments, most of them, some of them, in Dynamite's history, and I saw the angle where I had offered... John Moxley, I believe it's called a Ford GT750 or something like that. It literally costs like 750 grand. Shad Khan's car. I offered him that car if he joined the inner circle. And then he says yes. And he says, just kidding. And he smashes the bubbly in my head, which led to me gouging out one of his eyes with um, my spike jacket, which he had the, the patch on. And it was just, I just remember like how great of an angle that was and made me think about a lot of the great stuff that I've done on Dynamite over the last 200 episodes. So I thought, why don't I go and do my top 10 matches that I've had on Dynamite? That's a little bit too restrictive. So I'm just going to do my favorite matches that I've had on Dynamite over the last 200 episodes. There's been so many. and I went through uh, both the list of Jericho, the book, and then I've kept track of every match that I've had since uh, on my iPhone and the notes. And I thought, all right, well, let's go through this and see what my favorite matches are from the last 200 episodes something kind of fun doing a solo podcast here which is not the easiest thing to do but still a lot of fun i wasn't gonna really have a guest for this one because i'm the guest because i'm chris jericho and these are my favorite matches that i had uh, in, in dynamite history now i might have star ratings on them i might not um i'm just going by feel going through all these matches just the ones that kind of stood out the different reasons for that uh the first one i'm coming up with is from october 16th 2019, which was the third episode of Dynamite, and that's when I uh, worked with Darby Allen um, for the uh, uh, AEW World Championship. Now, I remember Tony wanted me to do a championship match. I was thinking about Sonny Kiss. I thought Sonny Kiss would be a good opponent, and Tony said, how about this Darby Allen kid? And I didn't really know him, and I remember he came up to me the week before and said, I got this idea where I'm going to tie you tie my hands up behind uh, behind my back. And I was like, tie your hands behind your back. Who is this kid? Like, no, we're not doing that. And then I realized, hey, Chris, get your head out of your ass. He showed me an example of him having his hands tied behind his back. And I thought it was the greatest thing ever. So I thought, why don't we do a street fight, a Philadelphia street fight, because the show was in Philly. 
And that's kind of how that first match happened. Uh, in the book, The List of Jericho, Darby actually wrote about that match and said, there was a lot I had to prove from a national television wrestling standpoint because I had pretty much come up from the indies. and No one really seen him on a national basis. Growing up watching a guy like Chris Jericho was put up or shut up time for me. I got the ball handed to me week three of television on Dynamite. And I knew my whole trajectory in the company and how I'd be used in the future was riding on that night. And if I could hang in those main event spots. But we did it. We killed it. It was lots of fun. Whenever you can go in there and tell an awesome story, it's special. So he is right about that. And we did have a good time. I've always liked Darby. Uh, We've been very close, I think, because of this early spotlight on him on AEW Dynamite. I said it time and time again. My mission when we first started was to build as many stars as we could because I knew, okay, you can start off on Chris Jericho's back, and that's cool, but you're going to have to spread the love, so to speak, as quickly as you can to let people know this is the real deal. This is not Chris Jericho and friends. This is Chris Jericho, a part of a great team. So I remember we had the match with Darby. Very dynamic. He's so quick and crisp with everything he does. I love watching him work. I love working with him. And we did the spot where I grabbed some tape and tied his hands behind his back and then... He came back off and gave me like a acai flip, and he's you know doing all these crazy cool moves uh, with his hands tied behind his back. And I do remember I had put a chair up in the corner to try and run his head into the chair, and we did some kind of a false finish when his hands were tied up, and I saw that chair slowly falling from between the ropes, and it was like, don't fall, don't fall, slow motion, no, and it fell down, and it kind of missed one of my all-time favorite false finishes, which I'm not going to tell you guys in case I want to use it again some other time. But Darby was just a, a great opponent. We really built him well. I remember I tried to ride his skateboard. I'm not a, a skateboard riding type of guy because originally he didn't want to do the skateboard. Uh, and I, he's like, in the skater you know, culture, riding the skateboard is kind of like you know, uh, disrespectful to skateboard. And I was like, dude, in the wrestling culture, the fact you ride a skateboard to the ring is awesome. Like No one's ever done that before. It's super rad. You're going to do it. And so we did all this really cool stuff. And I remember at the end, he went up for a coffin drop and Jake Hager hit him. And I ended up, I think I got him with the walls of Jericho or, or something along those lines. But I remember there's a big of uproar of like, you're the champion. Why would you cheat to beat this unknown uh, guy? And I was like, why would I cheat? I mean, because I'm a heel. That's why, you know, that's why you do these types of things when you're a heel is to have people lose with a reason to, to get out of it. So, that was kind of my mindset for that, and I think we had a, a, a great, great match. And once again, put Darby into the spotlight uh, very, very quickly and built him all the way back in week three of AEW Dynamite and the third episode. All right, then we go on to my favorite feud during the pandemic, and the only drag about it is that there wasn't uh, people watching in the stands because we didn't have people in the stands because no one was allowed to be there. So we had that was back when we had kind of the extras around the ring, 20 or 30 people gathered around cheering or whatever it may be. But my favorite feud during those time, that time was against Orange Cassidy. We did 14 weeks in the summer of, of 2020, uh, which is so insane to think of at this point in time. But uh, we really had a great, great feud. If you ever are bored and you want to go back and look at the way that we did things and the feud and everything like that, we uh, really had a, a good time with it. And we started it out uh, very simply in that I believe he just walked past me uh, during one of my promos with the shades on or something. That led to this really cool angle that we did where he gave me the the orange juice bath and then we gave him a, like, instead of a water board, it was a bubbly board where we hung him upside down the inner circle and we poured the champagne into his mouth and he started choking for real like we were literally were waterboarding him. Um, we had three matches in the trilogy, of course, the last one was the Mimosa Mayhem, still one of my favorite matches, which you're like, oh, that's so crazy and so dumb. If you go back, it was the perfect match for that point in time during the pandemic when none of us knew what the hell was going on, and we came up with something very cool. But that was not a Dynamite match. My favorite Dynamite match with, uh, with Orange was July 2nd in Jacksonville, Florida, of course. It was Fighter Fest. It was the first match we had, and I remember... We just had really good chemistry. And the one thing you guys are realizing this about Orange Cassidy now, but at the time people weren't really noticing was how good of a wrestler he is. Really, really, really good wrestler and lots of innovation and very hard hitting and just really, really cool to work with. Because when I first saw Orange Cassidy, I thought this guy's stupid. He's mocking the business and he's lazy and 
then once again, the same thing with Darby. Take your head out of your ass, Jericho, and figure out why is this guy so popular? Why is he so over? And I realized like he's not lazy. He's actually a genius for doing all this stuff and being completely different. It's one of the reasons why he's so popular and got over so huge. So I was really excited to do the program with him. And like I said, the only drag about it was we didn't have crowds. But man, what a what a cool just an exciting, cool a few months that we had together. I remember we also did a promo because he never said anything. And it was something like I did some promo. And, these, and then he came back with some kind of like, well, the reason why I want to fight you is because of the plight of the Aboriginal tribes in Eastern Australia with the protons and the photons and the Eastern Drift and the Continental Divide. And like he went into this big scientific explanation, which was actually Cody Rhodes' idea, which is actually really, really funny stuff. But I loved working with Orange, and uh, the favorite one I had was Fighter Fest, July 2nd. I beat him, but man, what a great match we had. And I remember it was so hot during that time because we were wrestling outside at Daly's Place. So in the middle of July in Florida, and it was late too because we used to do these tapings that would take forever. So it was probably, I don't know, 100 degrees in the ring. We were just sweating. I remember after I came back in the dressing room, it just like drenched as if I had fallen into a pool of mimosa, shall we say, but it was just from the, uh, the weather and the humidity. But what a great, great match that was. This episode is brought to you by Progressive, where drivers who save by switching save nearly $750 on average. Plus, auto customers qualify for an average of seven discounts. Quote now at Progressive.com to see if you could save. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates, national average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May 2023. Potential savings will vary. Discounts not available in all states and situations. On to the next one. So this would be uh, number three of my favorite matches in Dynamite history. April 14th, 2021 versus Dax Harwood. Of course, this is also in Jacksonville because it's the time frame. We were in Jacksonville for like, gosh, eight months, maybe. Like that was our home. And we would film every two weeks. Wednesday would be live and we'd do a tape show on Thursday. Uh, so the one that I had with Dax, April 14th, was uh, really cool because it was uh, Mike Tyson was the ringside enforcer. And this is when originally Mike Tyson came to AW and we got in a fight and then he became a, a, a honorary member of the inner circle along with Elvis. I mean, come on, how could you not have Elvis and Mike Tyson in the inner circle? And um, he was kind of roaming around outside. And it was funny because we had done something uh, in the match where I remember somebody was like, hey, you know what would have been great if he would have done this and taken a swing there? I was like, you guys understand, Mike Tyson doesn't go over high spots. Mike Tyson doesn't go over his cues. Mike Tyson does exactly whatever the f- Mike Tyson wants. So there's no real debating about, oh, you should, he should duck and give him a punch. It's like, no, it doesn't work that way. He's going to do whatever he wants to do. So we had a really good match. I only worked with Dax once. Didn't really even call much. Uh, I, I know we did the, the Blood and Guts, but I'm talking about us a singles match. We didn't call much, just really good chemistry, really good hard-hitting guy. Cash took a great punch from Mike Tyson outside the ring onto the floor and uh, just one of those magical matches where you just throw a couple guys together. And we didn't throw it together, obviously. The, the inner circle pinnacle storyline went, went over a year. It went, I think it went 366 days, which, think about that. That's pretty cool stuff. And the idea was to build everybody on the roster. And here we are now, Max MJF is the world champ, and FTR are the tag team champs, and critically acclaimed, and all this sort of thing. And, of course, Sammy's huge now and just I mean, really building up a, a good stable of guys here but i was really impressed with dax harwood very meat and potatoes but he can do some flying he's very hard hitting he just looks like an old school pro wrestling badass and uh, that's kind of what i felt like when we had that match i really really enjoyed it and i thought that uh it was one of the highlights of of my 200 uh, appearances on dynamite i mean i'm sure i've missed a few i know i've missed a few but i have been there since day one and uh will continue to be there so we then move on to a really cool match that i had uh, against nick gage which once again was still part of the uh, inner circle versus pinnacle this is now mjf versus jericho we came up with the seven labors of jericho which was completely based on the seven <laughs> the seven or the five labors of Jericho, which is like the five labors of Hercules, where I have to go through all these tasks 
and have to uh, face all these challenges before I can move on to, to finally reaching MJF, which is still kind of his MO to this day. You always kind of have to go through a lot of different guys to get to MJF. That's kind of how he does things for his angles and matches. But I think we did it first. Uh, that's when we started with Juventud Guerrero was in there and Sean Spears was in there and people thought it was just going to be a bunch of like nostalgia guys, but we wanted to keep the guys in the mix. So it started with Hoovy, then I went, I think it went to Sean Spears and then we did a Wardlow and then it was Nick Gage. And so Nick Gage was really cool because I didn't know anything about him. Only thing I ever really knew about him is that he almost killed David Arquette. Uh, if you watch the documentary about David Arquette being coming a wrestler, um, and I didn't really know much about him. I remember we had just done a dark side of the ring about him. And I thought, wow, this guy's very interesting. You know, he's he's got something. He's, he is such a legit outlaw. And Max suggested, MJF suggested that we bring in Nick Gage to be this hardcore killer. Uh, and so I decided to come out as the pain maker. And man, did we ever have a, a death match for all death matches. I've never been hit before with um, with a fluorescent light tube. Uh, when that got me, I don't know what it is. It, I just watched it back the other day, and it just smashed over my head. But something dislodged in my head. I was really not feeling good afterwards. I remember I, I didn't want to hang out with anybody. I didn't want to do anything. I just wanted to kind of just go in my room and, and chill. But I didn't want to go to sleep because I was scared I had a concussion. It was very strange. Um, another great spot is when he put a big pane of glass up on two steel chairs and I gave him a Frankensteiner through the glass. And if you watch when I land, I land first, the glass pops up off the chair and almost falls down. He, he hit that glass perfectly, but had it been another two seconds, we might've over, uh, might've fallen and nothing would have broken. Another awesome part is he took out his pizza cutter, which was his, one of his gimmicks. And he was carving my forehead with a pizza cutter. As we went into picture in picture break with, you could never predict this in a million years. As he's carving my forehead with a pizza cutter, there's a Domino's pizza ad uh, on the big part of the picture in picture with a kid <laughs> cutting a pizza with a pizza cutter, right? And there was such a brouhaha about it. And I was like, no, if I was Domino's, I would hire Nick Gage and Chris Jericho to do uh, a, a commercial ASAP. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I would be taking advantage of this. This, this display of, of barbarism, barbarism, whatever you want to say. But yeah, I really enjoyed working with Dick Gage. He was super respectful. I think he was a little, uh, a little bit nervous too. He's funny because he's such a crazy performer. But we had a great time and uh, really enjoyed that match. Got a lot of respect for Nick Gage. Invited him on the Jericho Cruise last year. He had to pull out last minute for, for personal reasons. But, you know, really, really liked him. Uh, and his unorthodox style. And man, did we ever beat the hell out of each other? That's probably my favorite death match that I've ever had. Um, I'll probably never take a fluorescent light tube to the head again. And by the way, we made it safe. We took out the phosphorus and put baking powder in there. And I also remembered, uh, asked Tony if I was allowed to blow the mist because it was COVID time. You're allowed to spit in someone's face. Like, yeah, yeah, but just make sure it's green mist because when Muda used the green mist or black mist or whatever, it was a top level mist. So I actually used the mist uh, to hit Nick Gage in the face, which led to me able to hit him with a juice effect on a light bulb or something like that. So I was the first guy to use mi uh, mist in AEW, not Aleister Black. It was me. So when we have the much-anticipated uh, Aleister Black-Jericho single match, it'll be mist versus mist. But once again, all respect to Nick Gage, and I really, really enjoyed that match in Charlotte uh, as one of the five labors of Jericho. All right. Then we move on to uh, June 15th, 2022 in the midst of the Jericho appreciation society, Blackpool combat club combined with Eddie Kingston's crew. It was quite the battle uh, kind of the initial stages of the Blackpool combat club combining a couple stories and um, we culminated it in a blood and guts, the second blood and guts, which we'll talk about in a second. Before that is an underrated match that I had with my former inner circle stablemate, Ortiz. It was in St. Louis where we had the hair versus hair match. We did the, um, the build up for that in Los Angeles at the forum where Ortiz actually cut a big chunk of my hair out. And if you're wondering if it was real, it was. I had a big kind of cow lick in my hair for months because it was this big short, this short little. Uh, little nubs from when he took this big long chunk of hair from my, from the back of my head. But so in St. Louis, that's when it was on June 15th. What a great match we had. It was always cool to 
have, you know, the chemistry of being in a stable together. And then all the Jericho Appreciation Society guys were down there as well, which is cool. But it culminated in one of the best false finishes, I think, maybe of my entire career. Um, I had Ortiz down, and I think Eddie Kingston came in when there was a there was some kind of a of a distraction by the JS, which led Eddie Kingston to come in and hit me with his Urakan, uh, the back elbow, and Ortiz came over and covered me. And I swear to you, people thought, "Oh my gosh, Jericho's going to lose his hair." He hit me with that Urakan, and I went down, and Ortiz came over and covered me. It was one, two point nine 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 kick out, and people were like, "Oh!" I actually posted it on Instagram saying, "This is one of the best false finishes of my entire career, maybe of all time," because nobody thought that Chris Jericho was going to lose his hair that night, except for at that ten second moment, people thought, "Oh my gosh, they're actually going to do this." Didn't happen. Obviously, Ortiz ended up shaving his hair. Of course, he was famous for having that giant afro, which was such a huge part of his act. But we did it to where he got... It was an old Arena Mexico trick where the babyface gets cheated. Everyone in the arena knows that he got cheated, but he's still so gallant and valiant, he's just going to shave his own head uh, no matter what. And that's what he did, you know, because just to show how crazy he was, that I'll shave my own head to prove to you just how insane I am and just how little, uh, you know, your mind games mean to me. So I really enjoyed that match. I really love Ortiz. He's a great guy. He's a very underrated worker. But, man, did we tear it up. And that false finish was one of the all-time greatest false finishes that I've ever experienced in my career. So if you get a chance, go back and, and, and watch it. Like I said, it's up on my Instagram. Or if you want to go see it, I'm sure it's on, on YouTube. Uh, for that moment, everyone thought I was going to be Pelon, which, of course, is Espanol for uh, bald. But no, I lived to fight another day, uh, which that other day took me to Blood and Guts, part two. All right, there are some seriously talented luchadors in AEW, and not all of them speak English, which can make putting together matches a little challenging sometimes. That's why I signed up for Rosetta Stone. I'm learning Spanish, amigos, eh, amigas. See, already learning. Haha, Rosetta Stone is the most trusted language learning program. You don't even have to learn Spanish, though, because Rosetta Stone has 25 languages, including French, German, Korean, Arabic, and Polish, and Japanese. That's what I'm going to do next. I spent a lot of time in Japan, and I still work with a lot of Japanese wrestlers at AEW, like Takeshita. So having a better handle on the language will definitely show in the ring. Communication is key. And learning Spanish on Rosetta Stone has been so fun and easy. They've got this true accent feature that gives you feedback on how well you're pronouncing words, sort of like having a personal trainer for your accent. I'm using the app, but you can also do the lessons on desktop or laptop. I also like that I can download the lessons and do them offline, which is perfect for a plane. I can sit there on a flight and work on my Espanol. So don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, Talk is Jericho listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com slash Jericho. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com slash Jericho today. That's rosettastone.com slash Jericho. Do it today. All right, that takes us next to the second ever Blood and Guts, which was June 29th, 2022 in Detroit, Michigan. And it was, the first Blood and Guts was cool, uh, but the second one to me really is what locked in the concept of Blood and Guts. We actually ended up having six on six. It was uh, when Sammy Guevara joined us. And actually, Sammy was did, did the run-in to cause Ortiz to lose the hair versus hair match. So he joined us that week for um, for uh, Blood and Guts. So it was me, Sammy, Danny, Jake, uh, Daddy Magic, and uh, Cool Hand Ange. And we were up against Santana, Ortiz, Eddie Kingston, um, Wheeler, Yuta, Moxley, and then, of course, Claudio Castagnoli, who basically was making... His debut uh, in that match, and um, once again, I'm, I'm not giving you every single fact and figure. I might be a little bit off on some of this. I'm just going completely from memory here, but uh, it was in Detroit. The place was packed. I think we had almost 10,000 people there, 
and it was just as batshit crazy as you would expect a Blood and Guts to be. Obviously, we just had Blood and Guts 3 with the Blackpool Combat Club and the Elite, and that was pretty insane. And this one was, uh, I think, a little bit more, um, shall we say, ground and pound, not as many crazy uh, gimmicks and stuff, but... That's when the Inner Circle all wore red, and we had the red hats. And that's one thing I like. That's the Inner Circle. That's one thing I like about the Jericho Appreciation Society. I mean, we always dress up in those matching outfits, which is a complete homage to uh, the Warriors. Uh, obviously, the movie The Warriors. So yeah, I remember a lot of really crazy stuff happened. Um, it was funny too because uh, well, not funny, but Ortiz got hurt. That's we haven't seen him since. As a matter of fact, he's been gone for over a year. Uh, a lot of you know, wear and tear. I took another tack bump, which I never thought I would do after uh, Moxley and I did the Ambrose Asylum back in 2016, I think it was, maybe 2015, somewhere around that time. And uh, there's another point where I think um, we were, we had, did we have something in a bottle? Like it was some kind of liquid in a bottle. Maybe it was for lighting something on fire or whatever the hell it was for. And it fell out of the ring onto the ground. So Ty had to reach under the ring and grab it and try and stick it through the cage, and it wasn't going. And I, I don't remember what was in that bottle. Um, you have to go back and watch it. It wasn't. We didn't light anything on fire, did we? Who the hell knows what we were doing in there? I'm sure one of you guys remembers. I just remember that the bottle of the liquid fell out of the, um, of the cage, and she was trying to desperately put it back in, but it just would not go through the stupid cage hole. Um, I remember there was a great scene where, where Kingston came in and he was just hitting guys with the kendo stick like Darth Vader with the lightsaber, like whack, 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 whack. Um, and then, of course, uh, we end up on top of the cage. And this is where Claudio gave me the giant swing on top of the cage. And it was my idea. I was like, you got to do it. He's like, no, it's, we can't do it. We have to do it near the edge because the cage in the middle the way it was set up, you couldn't really stand on it. And I was like, dude, I trust you. Like if anybody in the world can hold me up there uh, and not let me go, because Claudia is so damn strong and he gave me the swing. And it was funny because in, in theory, I was like, yeah, just give me the swing. Just do it. It's no problem. Once I got up there and he started swinging me um, and I'm looking upside down at these people that are, I don't know, 30, 40 feet below me. I started to freak out. I was like, no, stop, stop, stop. I thought he gave me like 20 reps. He only gave me seven. <laughs> But it felt insane. And just watching it up there, seeing that camera angle, it really is a great visual. And, of course, Sammy got thrown off and took this ridiculous bump, you know, to the ground below. Thankfully, this year at Blood and Guts, they did not do the bump from the top. I did it in the first one, and uh, Sammy did it in the second one. And, of course, Claudio puts me in the sharpshooter. And, uh, or uh, What happened? No, Eddie, Eddie put me in, a, in his hold, and Claudio was able to tap out Daddy Magic, I think, in the sharpshooter, which... Uh, which stole the victory from Eddie Kingston's hands and Claudio took it instead. So anyways, it was just a great spectacle. I was very, very proud of that match. And another thing that was crazy too is when I was on top of the cage, walking on top of the cage, there were so many tacks on the bottom of my boots that I felt like I was like I had no traction. I felt like I was ice skating, which made it extra scary as well. If you notice, I was on my knees quite a bit because when you stood up, you just felt slippery. Like there was you just just pure slippery steel on top of the cage. So um, little things like that that you might not realize or even know about uh, that's, that you can see in that Blood and Guts match. All right, after that, uh, August 10th, 2022, it was uh, Moxley, uh, Jericho versus Moxley uh, for the title. This, I think, Punk was hurt at this point in time. And um, so we had, a, a, it was in the, uh, Minneapolis, and this is where Mox had the idea for me to come back as Lionheart, which I thought was a really cool uh, concept and a cool thought, and came out to the white zombie music, and I had uh, had the the old school um, Lionheart inspired tights. They weren't the original Lionheart tights. I went to look for them in my storage unit, and I couldn't find the exact ones. Um, so I thought, well, if Kiss was going to do a replica of their 1977 costumes, they wouldn't wear the same ones. They would get new ones made. So I got new tights made that look like the Lionheart. Um, Tony was so impressed because I had lost so much weight from my pulmonary embolism. He's like, you look like you did, you know, when you were actually the Lionheart, 1996. And actually, I did look kind of similar in a lot of ways. Um, but we had just a hard-hitting match. I love working with Mox. Uh, he's such a great performer, such a great wrestler. And I got... I legit hit my head 
um, on the steel ring post. I took the turnbuckle pad off and I hit the ring post and I legit got it. I still have a nasty scar uh, in the middle of my forehead uh, from that cut and um, very jagged. That's why it's nasty because it was really from the uh, turnbuckle pad. And um, so I was just covered in blood and it was actually the only time anybody's ever kicked out of the Judas effect, you know, because I figured this is the time to do it. And um, it was such a great match. I really, really loved it. I remember Tony was mad that Meltzer didn't give us five stars. He gave us four and three quarters. Like it was pretty much the same thing, but it was a five star match in my book. Uh, one of my favorites. And I've always had great chemistry with Mox because we like beating the shit out of each other. It's that simple. We really have no boundaries when it comes to working together. Just uh, the same thing I used to say to Benoit. Don't break my nose and don't snap my teeth. None of that hit me as hard as you can. So just a great match with great chemistry. Uh, and another thing is that the, it was the return of CM Punk and the Jericho Appreciation Society kind of fed for him. And a spot I called on the fly, I wish I never had called it, was... Um, yeah, I told him to duck my clothesline or whatever it was. And I said, clothesline me over the top rope. When he clothesline me over the top rope, because we didn't have a lot of time as far as the positioning wasn't right, uh, the timing wasn't right, and he clotheslined me over the top to the floor, no fault of his own, just an accident, just a, a bad, not bad, just not as timed as well as it could have been because I just called it on the fly. Anyways, I ended up bruising my larynx, which to this day still affects my singing. I've, I've got about 95% back but I really have to warm up and practice to get that range. And for the longest time, you know, months I had, I didn't have a range. And I remember they were saying like, you know, it could take six months to a year. It's not like if you break your arm and you're out for, you know, six to eight weeks, this is something that you, there is no way to really fix it. And I was doing mass singer at the time. So I was trying hyperbaric chamber treatments and I did a lot of rehab for it. And I did a lot of voice lessons with my vocal coach, uh, Jamie Vandera, I went and saw a, a, lar a laryngologist. Um, I went and saw a, a voice, a speech therapist. So I was really messed up because when you bruise your larynx, your larynx doesn't vibrate and that preve prevents you from singing uh, high. So um, if you saw that, that uh, mass singer that I did where I did Run Run Rudolph for the Christmas special, that was singing basically two weeks after my injury. And thankfully, it was just a lower range song that I could do it. But took a long time to get that range back. But anyways, it, was, uh, it, it happens. It's wrestling. But man, what a great match I had with Mox. I'm actually looking at pictures of it right now and just thinking back to how, how much fun it was and how great it was and how much I always enjoy working with him. So hopefully we get to do more stuff in the future. But definitely, you're talking about all these is my favorite matches here of the first 200 episodes of Dynamite. That one might be my favorite. But then again, each one seems to get better than the next because the next one was uh, September 14th, 2022. And that, of course, was against Brian Danielson, who is another guy that I had no uh, real history with. It was just we kind of just stumbled upon each other. And oh my gosh, uh, in Albany, New York, we tore the house down uh, with this match that we had. We were doing a tournament for the world title when the world title was uh, stripped of CM Punk because he was injured and, of course, because of the whole backstage incident and he was gone and everything was in flux. So it was Danielson versus Jericho, uh, and then it was Moxley versus Sammy with then uh, Jericho, uh, with uh, Mox and Danielson meeting at uh, Arthur Ashe Stadium. So. Uh, it was kind of a really big match and very important match as well because there was a lot of things going on behind the scenes where we really needed to pull it together on camera and uh, do something very great, which we did. So this reminded me of when I first started working The Undertaker after being in the WWE for, gosh, almost 10 years or so, maybe longer. And I couldn't believe that we had never been booked against each other before. It's like, where have you been all my life type of a thing? So Danielson and I just had great chemistry um, similar to me and Mox, just beating the crap out of each other, but trying different things and doing different things and having different ideas. And just he's just obviously just unbelievably great. So to be in the ring with him, I know we had had a very short NXT match, you know, 10 years prior, but we, we had the pay-per-view match in Chicago at uh, All Out. It was okay. It wasn't bad. But this one here was the one. It was another, you know, five-star match and just a great, great performance from both of us. Uh, really loved it and such passion because once again we were have to kind of 
had to uh, recalibrate some things since there was a lot of unrest in the locker room and and Danielson and Mox and I kind of held weekly meetings just to keep people's spirits up. And, you know, it was just a really great, uh, great coming together. Reminded me a lot of, of, of our locker room during the pandemic where everybody just started working together and being together and just, you know, there was a real camaraderie there. And I feel there really was as well after all out and, and when we're kind of in a little bit of uncertainty. So working with Danielson at that time was just an amazing, um, uh, amazing match for me and such great chemistry and so easy to work with. I mean, it's just, it's what wrestling's all about. I'm smiling as I talk about this because, you know, you do all these years in the business, but when you get a chance to really be, you know, one-on-one with somebody that you've never really experienced uh, things with before. It was just great, great chemistry and holds. And I remember I was learning a lot of my old Lucha stuff because I think I did, you know, it wasn't a Lionheart thing, but it was still just trying to figure out some of these holds that I used to do and some of these moves that I used to do that I hadn't done in a while. And with Brian, obviously you can do anything and everything. So it was a great match and, and one of my favorites. And it was just, I was on a roll at this point in time because uh, the next week was Grand Slam, September 21st, 2022, and I won the Ring of Honor title from Claudio. And we had another great match. I mean, we have always had great chemistry. There was a time back in 2015 when I was just doing house shows for WWE. I didn't want to do TV because I was just coming in and out, and Vince was more than happy to just have me on whatever shows I could do. And I worked probably 60 matches that year. I'd say almost half of them with, with Brody Lee, the late great Brody Lee and the other half were against Claudia. So we've got great chemistry. We've worked around the world, uh, you know, and to, and to have that match, we had a great finish where, you know, there's a little bit of hesitation with the bat and then he caught the bat and I was able to still beat him anyways. And just really cool stuff. And obviously to become the Ocho, start the Ocho phase of my career and win the ring of Auto world title. And I think brought a lot of prestige to it. And Claudio is still the champion right now after, uh, after he beat me, you know, a few months later at the pay-per-view, the Ring of Honor pay-per-view. But I think when I had that title, I was able to really bring a good spotlight to it. And, um, you know, once again, I was kind of on a real career surge there. I think every week I was having really good matches or matches that I thought were good and some really great ones. And that's kind of where we're going to go next, which was uh, September 28th, 2022, when I faced Bandito. And this was in Philadelphia again. Great city for me. Um, in the week prior, we were trying to get some people to do the match. And I know this might not be for this specific match, but I know at one point, I think Vikingo was brought up. Uh, he wasn't available. I know at one point we talked to Chris Hero. He wasn't available. We talked. To, we wanted to get PCO involved, but I think he got hurt. So we're just trying to think of really cool kind of Ring of Honor guys for me to work with. And Bandito fit because he was a former... Um, champion in ring of honor because that was my thing i'm going to beat all the former ring of honor champions so anybody that had been champion in ring of honor i was going to take them on because i was finished desecrating the ring of honor championship memory and i'm going to build it in my image sort of a thing so i didn't really know anything about bandito i just um watched a, his a couple of his matches prior and i met him that day and oh my gosh what an amazing talent he is he is obviously a great high flyer, but he's so strong. He's so strong. So we had the match, and people didn't really know him at first, and then he gave me a standing suplex and just held me up there and counted along with the seconds as the people joined in. He held me up there for like 60 seconds. I could feel all the head, uh, all the blood draining to my head. I felt like Catherine Corcoran in um, uh, Terrifier. When you're upside down that long, you can really feel the pressure and pounding in your head. Um, I remember he gave me a, a Frankensteiner off the apron to the floor, which wasn't the best feeling, but I was going all out. No pun intended. I really wanted to make this guy look good, and I could tell how, how, how amazing he was. And we did this kind of a, he holds me like he's going to give me like a, like a Razor Ramon slam, but he did a backflip off the top rope and kind of landed on top of me and just all this great stuff that I'd never really taken before or experienced before. But man... It was such a cool match, and people were just going nuts for him. And there was a point, once again, where they thought, oh, he's going to win. And we fooled him. And then, of course, uh, I think I put him in the walls and tapped him out. But after it was done, Tony Khan was so happy and uh, offered him a contract pretty much right there. It took a while to get him signed because of his international you know, um, commitments and this sort of thing. But, man, it, it was just one of those A Star Is Born moments. And 
just a great match and a great feather in my cap because I think it was starting to reestablish that. You know, Jericho here at, what was I, 51 years old, almost 52, can really still go in the ring. So, uh, and these matches with guys like Bandito helped with that. And once again, just a pure pleasure to work with him and just a very special uh, talent and a great match for that crowd in Philly. You know who's living large at my house? My three cats, Mr. Mittens, Indy, and Snickers. And you know why? Because we switched them to Pretty Litter. Okay, so it's really me and my wife and my daughters who are living large, thanks to Pretty Litter. Because Pretty Litter's ultra-absorbent crystals trap odor instantly, so no more bad cat smells in the bathroom. Pretty Litter crystals last up to a month, so less cat litter box cleaning for all of us. And less fighting about whose turn it is to clean the litter box. I gotta deal with this fight every single week between my daughters. This makes it so much easier. Pretty Litter also ships right to our front door, so no more last-minute mad scramble runs to the store because we're out of kitty litter. And Pretty Litter has another cool feature that makes life just a little easier. It helps us keep tabs on our cat's health. It changes colors so you can monitor early signs of potential illnesses like urinary tract infections and kidney issues. It's easily the best thing we've done for ourselves and our cats in a very long time. Like I said, Pretty Litter helps keep tabs on my cat's health and keeps odors down. Those are two big wins in my house, meow. You and your cat are going to love Pretty Litter as much as we do. So go to prettylitter.com slash Jericho and use code Jericho to save 20% on your first order. That's prettylitter.com slash Jericho. Code Jericho to save 20%. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. All right. And then uh, the next one, which was another, in my opinion, classic. I'm not uh, patting myself on the back here, but it was just a really great run when I was the Ocho, which was Ishii. uh, And that was November 23rd, 2022. That was in Chicago. And um, I remember Ishii being a young boy when I worked for WAR for Genshiro Tenru in the 90s. And when I saw him in New Japan in 2018 or 19, I couldn't believe it. I was like, I know you, man. Like, oh my gosh, it's good to see you. And of course, the 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 the, the legend and story of Ishii is that he's one of the best. And he really, really is. And doesn't speak any English, still wears a mask. So he's walking around, you can't really see him. But um, we, we came into the room. And I think Michael Nakazawa might have helped us translate, uh, putting the match together. And I came up with this idea, like during the, during the break in the Moxley match, which I forgot to mention, I put him in the walls of Jericho and we just stayed in the walls of Jericho for the whole commercial break for three minutes. Never done that before. I just thought I'd give it a try. And um, it really, you know, people are hot, excited, then they die down and they come back even crazier, right? And I did something similar with Wardlow when I worked with him during the five labors of Jericho where I had him just powerbomb me through the entire break. Like give me, I think he ended up giving him like 10 power bombs or something, which seemed like a good idea at the time, but didn't feel as good. I remember my pants were falling down too, which is always embarrassing when your pants are falling down, taking bumps. Um, but with Ishii, I said, let's just chop each other. Let's just chop each other for the whole, <laughs> the whole commercial break. And dude, these are not, uh, you know, unicorns and daisies, these chops. These are hard-hitting freaking Japanese strong style chops, Tenru style chops. So we were just going back and forth. And I had the idea of like, you know, the people bleed, you know, a lot from the head, but no one really bleeds from the chest. So let's see what happens. And he was chopping me so hard that I, you know, did the thing where where my chest is bleeding. And it just was such a great visual. It really, really looked cool. And then he did something towards the end that I really liked. We were fighting back and forth and then he gave me a chop and then he reared back and kind of just fell down right into position, I think, for the lion salt, which I thought like it's so cool. Like He's so exhausted and beat up that he can't even stand and he fell right in the spot where he needed to be for the lion salt. So uh, just a great worker and really cool, hard hitting match. And, you know, I always love those styles of matches because that's my lineage. That's where I came from. I have no problems beating the heck out of, out of my opponent and taking it in return you know that's just kind of i guess i kind of get off on it a bit to be honest with you i really appreciate that just that viciousness and how you feel when you're in the middle of a fight with you know like these like i said it's raining down these chops and just i don't know it just was a really cool moment for me and i really enjoyed working with ishii and i think it was pretty soon after that maybe where i lost the title the ring of honor title 
And then I was going to get back on track so that I can take on Claudio and challenge him for his title. Again, get a rematch. I want my rematch. And uh, it didn't work that way because what happened was we ended up doing a match with Action Andretti. Uh, that was going to be my warm-up match. And it was going to have him, you know, just come out there. And I was, I was going to beat him and then show Claudio that I'm ready for you and get my big you know, get my big rematch and then regain my title, you know, the title that I was destined to have and destined to, to own and all that sort of thing. So I had seen action earlier in the year in Washington, D.C., and he did a really good match against um, QT Marshall. And I saw it and I said to Tony, what do you think? He's like, he's really good. And I said, let me go see if he can do a promo. So. I had Sanjay Dutt, who does a lot of our backstage promos, says, I said, take him outside and have him do a couple promos. So he's doing a couple promos, and I'm just kind of hiding, and then I walk out to where he can see me. And I said, okay, uh, now do a promo uh, on Sammy Guevara. And with no hesitation, he did this really good kind of a one-minute promo about Sammy Guevara with me standing right in front of him. Now, once again, am I, you know, anything to be intimidated by well to some you might say but just i just thought like if i was standing there as a young guy and like the undertaker came and stood in front of me as i was going to do a promo i'd probably feel a little nervous and like might need i'll give me five minutes just to get this in my head he's had none of that he legit just went into this promo and i thought wow he's really good so i said to tony we should sign him but if you sign him i got an idea don't put him on tv not dark or anything i think it was back in like june or July, so he gets signed, or maybe maybe a little bit later, maybe I think maybe September. He gets signed, and then he's just sitting at home, and he's like, "Hey, man, like, I'm just cool." I said, "Just be cool, just stay there, stay there, stay there. When the time is right, you'll know." And here we are in Garland, Texas, which I believe is right outside of Dallas. And I show up, and I, he had no idea what was going on. And I brought him into the office. I said, "Here's what we're gonna do. I'm gonna have a tune-up match, and I'm gonna make you look really good." And then you're going to beat me clean with your finish. And you should have seen the look on his face where he was like, like dream, like come true. Like what? And that's exactly what we did. And I remember when we came, we came out, the crowd was having fun because they were chanting, let's go jobber. Cause I put it together where he looks really good. And then of course I hit him with the code breaker and everyone knows that this, that's the finish except for it wasn't. And he kicks out. And what I wanted to do, much in the same vein as Ishii and the chops and mocks and the, and, and the walls of Jericho, was I wanted him to sell it through the entire commercial break, and I was just going to sit there with the surprised look on my face. He didn't quite understand that. He started moving. I was desperately trying to tell him to stop moving, and we lost the moment. But I still claim to this day, people were so surprised when he kicked out of that code breaker that if I just would have stood, the, sat there on my knees and, and just had that look of surprise on my face, I could have sat there for three minutes and people went, nuts i tell you it would have worked you know it probably can never do that again but at that moment i just knew just don't move don't move and, and, and he moved you know which is like ah but it's okay so we come back from break and then now people are really into the match because now they, they think okay he's still not going to win but this is going to be pretty exciting stuff and lo and behold what does he do he wins with a running shooting star press one two three crowd goes nuts he runs around high fives jumps in the ring it was like one of the coolest moments of my career because nobody saw it coming. Not one person could predict that this action Andretti was going to beat Chris Jericho when like the biggest upset in pro wrestling history. And of course, it all depends on where you go with it. So afterwards, you know, I threw a fireball on his face and we had some stuff with him and Ricky Starks and had him work with the Jericho Appreciation Society and get some wins. And then, you know, the dust settles and you go, now he's working with, with Darius and Dante Martin, which is great. And you got to build yourself back up. You know, the, he, he took the opportunity and ran with it. And then you come back down to earth and that's just kind of how the wrestling world works. But it was a great start. And once again, I still say it might have been the best surprise win of all time because people compared it to, to one, two, three kid and razor Ramon, which, which it was kind of the same vibe. But if you go back and watch that match, razor beat the hell out of one, two, three kid the whole time and then got the finish on him, but beat him up the whole time. This was not that it was a 50, 50 match. You think, well, this kid looks really good. He's going to do a great job. And then Jericho's going to win and we're going to go on. But no, he did a great job. He looked good. And he won the match and kickstarted his career. He got signed to AW as well. So I'm just getting, I'm getting these boys a cone track all over the place. So I'm just signing guys to cone tracks uh, with the matches that I'm having with them. 
At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every goal, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a game-winning goal in the final seconds of overtime or a shot on the goal in the first period. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. All right, so then we move on to 2023. And once again, the more recent matches that I've had in May and June and, and even in August are the ones that kind of stand out the most for me, uh, starting with Roderick Strong, which was May 17th of this year. And that was in, a, a, what do we call it, like a, a no-rules fight or whatever it was, a, a street fight or whatever it may be, but another one of my favorites. And that was in Austin, Texas. It was the Falls Count Anywhere. That's what we called it. And that's, of course, where Adam Cole was banned from the building because he was dangerous in the middle of our angle. Uh, I've never worked with Roddy before. I'd only met him, you know, a few weeks before that when they brought him in, when Tony hired him. And, man, great guy and great wrestler. And, oh, my gosh, we had such a cool match um, where, of course, we started in the ring. And then, you, you, you know, you fight up through the stands and then you go into the concourse. And this concourse, it couldn't have been better. You, you never know what you're going to get until... You show up at the arena, and as soon as you walked in, you just kind of start walking around. You can't really call, you know, or think of any spots at home for the match because you don't know what you're going to have as far as, you know, the, 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 the layout of the building. And as we were walking up there, I was just, you know, you just kind of look in different areas, and that stairwell was perfect. I was like, we could fight in the stairwell. We could fight right on that ledge. And then I sat there almost like a cinematographer because we walked around with Roddy and I and then our camera guys. And I was like, get the shot from here. And it'll look like uh, Luke Skywalker and Darth Vader fighting in the Death Star. Remember when they had that, the duel with the, with the, the lightsabers and all that sort of stuff. And uh, that looked great. And then kind of just walking through and whacking each other with random things. And, of course, the, the ice cream stand. I was like, you got to get the ice cream. And they were like, we're not sure if it's going to be open. I said, well, can you make sure it's open? Can we get somebody to stand there? Can we hire somebody to, 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 to do the ice cream? So we definitely had the ice cream spot. And he threw it in my face. I had ice cream everywhere. And uh, the, everyone's just following you. It's like a sea of people because everyone wants to be involved. And they're all cheering and screaming and going crazy and it was just really really cool and then of course we end up outside and adam cole attacks me and there's this giant fi- uh, flower bed like it was the perfect place so i was like i don't know if we can take bumps on the concrete that's never good and they actually had this little dirt pit which was the perfect place for me to get beat up and get hit by you know adam cole's knee and roderick strong you know, all these hitting me with his stuff. So it just really worked out perfectly. We couldn't have had a better building to do our fall scout anywhere. Adam Cole made his big return, which of course causes me to rip up the um the uh the, the contract that I had that that banned him from the building and then of course challenged him to the unsanctioned match. So uh, I really enjoyed working with, with Roddy and I really enjoyed that Falls Count Anywhere. And you know, once again, Roddy Strong gets the win and I don't think I've really won well, I won the Bandito match, so that's cool. I don't think I don't win a lot of matches, guys. So, <laughs> but uh, that led to the mixed tag, the pay per view match that, that Adam Cole and I had in Dallas was okay. It was I, I didn't think it was great, but the next night or, or Wednesday night, the mixed tag that we had on uh, uh, May thirty first in San Diego, I thought was awesome. It was me and Soraya against Adam Cole and Britt Baker. And that was signed by, of course, you know, Adam Cole beats me in the unsanctioned match. And then I'm still really angry about it. And Soraya's angry at Brit. So then we kind of put together this this uh, mixed tag. And, like, it was such a fun match. And uh, Ray Ray did a great job. And Brit did a great job. I remember Brit, we did a thing where, like, uh, the idea was that Brit was going to go to the top rope and do something to Soraya. But I'm shielding her. And then she Brit jumps off and, and hits me anyways and she had never gone off the top rope before and i was like you gotta just do it you can do it and we didn't have a chance to try it beforehand because we came up with it after the doors had opened so she was really nervous but she went up there and 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 flew off and and hit it like a champ and did did a great job so it was really cool and of course at the end they both super kicked me and then adam cole gets the win and once again when i did the feud with ricky starks i didn't beat him ricky starks beat me twice same thing with with adam cole it's like why am i going to beat him it doesn't really make a difference to beat him have him beat me and then now of course he goes on to face MGF for the championship and he's a far stronger competitor because he's got two wins against Chris Jericho under his belt but 
had a great time. Sarev, great heel, perfect chemistry for me. So it was one of those things like if we were on like some international tour or something like in WWE, we used to have to do like 10 matches in 12 days or whatever it was. I would love to have done that mixed tag around the horn because it was so much fun and so easy. People loved it. And of course, people always like seeing the, the girl slap the guy or splash the guy or super kick the guy. So once again, I am the uh, punching bag to the stars here in AW. But that was a really cool match that I really enjoyed. And in the same vein, this next match from June 28th, just a few months ago, a few weeks ago, from uh, Hamilton, Ontario, was Sammy and I against Sting and Darby. Another match where the pay-per-view match didn't go quite the way I wanted it to, but this match certainly did, uh, other than the fact that Sting almost killed himself from jumping off the ladder through the table. But that's Sting for you, man. The guy's fearless. He just wants to put on a great show every night for everybody that pays to see him and watches him on TV. And it was just great to finally be in the ring with him and have that little kind of three-week, four-week feud angle. Once again, something that should have been done years ago, but I'm glad we got a chance to do it. And I'm glad we got to do it with this mixed, uh, this uh, tag team match. It was, once again, no rules, no disqualification, and got pretty crazy. Once again, always love working with Darby. And Sting and I, uh, at one point, after he jumped off the ladder, I got the warning that Sting might not be able to continue. And so I was like, okay, well, then I'll just improv the rest of the match with Darby and we'll come up with some stuff and have some fun. But Sting did come back in. And, of course, we did a kind of a cool little sequence there where I kicked out of the, uh, the, the, the Scorpion death drop for the first time ever. Uh, we were kind of running out of time at that point, so we didn't get a chance to really focus on that. But, you know, of course, dressing up as the Painmaker, Painmaker versus Sting, that was fun. And the Painmakers made, I think, three appearances, four appearances in AEW against Darby in the street fight, against Nick Gage uh, in the um, uh, that crazy death match that we had, against Eddie Kingston in the Barbware Everywhere, which I was going to mention as an honorable mention. I thought that was a great, great match, too, because we got rushed at the end of that one. So I didn't want to put it on the list. And then against Sting. So the Painmakers got uh, a good track record in AEW as far as um, having good matches. So. Yeah, just a pleasure to be in the ring with Sting and to have a really good match. And the only finish, of course, was him to beat me <laughs> once again. There's no way I'm beating Sting. It was just perfect for him to, to take it on me. And it, to tap out in the Scorpion Deathlock. I was like, how? Who's, who's the last guy that's tapped out in the Scorpion Deathlock? And it's like, well, nobody. I'm like, well, I'll do it. Let's do it. And he's like, well, I don't want you to do it. I'm like, of course, it's not a big deal. And uh, a really good friend of mine said, well, I don't like that you tapped out as the pain maker. I said, well... The caveat to that is, um, and that was the Painmaker's first loss in AEW, by the way. Uh, the caveat was I was the first person and only person to kick out of the Scorpion Death Drop, so tapping out to Sting's vicious Scorpion Deathlock wasn't too bad of a of a of a trade off in that case. So, yeah, and then I always like to say when people say, "Well, what's what's your favorite era of Chris Jericho?" I always say it's this era because. Why would I think an era from 10 years ago or 20 years ago is better than the one I'm doing now? If that was my attitude, I should just leave. So talking about my favorite matches on the first 200 episodes of Dynamite was the one we just had the other day on the 200th episode of Dynamite, which was uh, Jericho and Takeshita versus Danny Garcia and Sammy Guevara. Great storyline with Don Callis currently going on right now. Uh, will he or will he will he or will he not join Don Callis' family? You guys got to wait and see. But I just love the way that it was set up. I love the way that Don brokered the match with Takeshita against Sammy and Danny. You know, my protégés that I said, you got to go out on your own and find your own way without me. But then, you know, much to my dismay, I have to wrestle them. I totally got the idea from Can't Buy Me Love, that great movie with Patrick Dempsey and Amanda Peterson, who I had such a crush on. And, of course, Darcy DeMoss as well. There's a part where, where Ronald McDonald Miller, he, he becomes cool because he basically pays a cheerleader to hang out with him for a month and she ends up falling in love with him and then, you know, wackiness ensues. But when he becomes one of the cool kids for Halloween, one of the cool kids' rituals is they shit bomb a dude's house every year. And then Ronald finds out the person that they shit bomb is his good friend Patrick's house. And uh, he has to decide, do you shit bomb the house or do you use friendship? And they're like, what are you going to do? You're going to be a nerd. And so he shit bombs the house. And of course, his friend finds out about it. No, sorry, not Patrick. It's Kenneth. Kenneth finds out about it. And then it causes more of a of an issue between them. So it's almost like I am shit bombing the Jericho Appreciation Society by having this match against them. Uh, love working with Danny. His dance is getting over. Love working with Sammy. He's so dynamic in the ring. Takeshita is amazing. And then doing the finish where Don hits, hits Danny with the, with the bat. And I see it. 
and I have to decide who am I going to choose? I'm going to choose my guys, my family, or am I going to choose Don Callis's family? Or am I just being Chris Jericho and taking a win whenever you can get it? Right. There's always, there's always that side of things too. So um, I just love the story of that. I thought the match went great. The crowd was great. And I'm really excited to see where this is going to go and see what all you guys think about it. So yeah, it was the perfect kind of capper. 200 episodes of Dynamite. And these, I think I named maybe 15 or 16 matches. So out of the, I don't know, 100 matches that I've had in AEW, those are just a, a cross section of some of my favorites. But um, I'm looking forward to having many more great matches and fun matches in the future. And uh, I'm really excited to be with AEW for the next 200 episodes of Dynamite. So thanks to all you guys who have watched Dynamite from the start, whether you've watched one episode or whether you've watched, you know, 200 episodes. And same with Talk is Jericho. We just celebrated Talk is Jericho 1000, like I mentioned at the beginning of this podcast. Thanks for you guys to tune in, for tuning in to this show whether it's been one episode or 1,000. Um, never take that for granted. I know there's a lot of ways you guys can spend your time and, and listen to podcasts and watch shows and watch wrestling shows, and I never take that for granted ever. So I love you guys. I appreciate you guys. This is the Jericho. This is the real Jericho Appreciation Society. I appreciate all of you uh, in that society. So continue to watch Dynamite and continue to listen to Talk is Jericho, and I will continue to have fun matches that you guys can talk about and uh, and watch and enjoy for, for years to come. So that's it. Uh, another solo episode of Talk is Jericho. Yay, it's finally done. Uh, we'll see you uh, next week. Yeah, you guys are going to see this. Uh, we'll see you on Thursday or Friday or whenever the show is. <laughs> Love you guys. Cheers. Oh, yeah.